And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Wednesday afternoon. The sun was out earlier. We'll see it again in a few months, not to worry. Um, it feels like our sun has come back to the podcast, though. <laughs> or at least the sun has risen on the podcast again. You may have just figured it out from the, that uh, laugh. Allison Lucan is back with us. She's not the same Allison Lucan. She's a different Allison Lucan now. She's moved on to bigger and better things. But she is back with us. It's topical. It's also a hell of a lot of fun. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen, Allison Lucan. Oh, Porty. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always, uh, we stay in touch, but it's always great to chat of course. here as well. And this was the plan all along um, for when the Blue Jackets play the Kraken. They don't play them. Thursday, they have a game first against Anaheim in Nationwide, but they'll play the Kraken on Saturday, first time in Seattle for the Blue Jackets. Um, you, of course, are working for the Kraken now, a contributor for the Seattle Kraken, an analyst for Root Sports Northwest. Real quick, how is that going? How is your new world, <laughs> Allison Lucan? Well, I always said I had a face for podcasts and radio, so... It's, it's been a journey, but um, the team at Root has been awesome in terms of helping me and um, the Seattle fan base and, and the organization have just been so supportive and welcoming. And um, it's pretty cool to be able to help educate um, a fan base. There's, there is a lot of hockey knowledge there, but there's also sure. a lot of brand new to hockey fans. Um, and so it's pretty cool to be part of um, laying that educational foundation for them and uh it's pretty special I'm, I'm very very humbled and honored to be a part of it awesome well you're doing great work it's it's uh great to see i was hoping to to uh get out there earlier but here we are blue jackets seattle this weekend this podcast will have 
lots of Blue Jackets and some Seattle because it's such an interesting, it's always interesting when a new team comes into the league, a new city is brought into the league. Um, so we'll get into all of that. First, some Blue Jackets news. Scott Harrington. Allison, I feel like Scott Harrington predates the canon in Columbus. <laughs> um, he's been here. And so this feels more newsy than it normally would for a defenseman who wasn't playing much to be sent to Cleveland, but cleared waivers today and is on his way to Cleveland to get some games. Has not played in the AHL since 2016, early in the 2016-17 season. Um, but you, something, I, I guess we've been saying this for five years now, something has to give with Scott Harrington. Hadn't played since October 31st, had been jumped on the, the depth chart, so now he's going to to get some games in. That's good for him. He gets an NHL salary no matter what, so this is good for him. Um, taking his spot on the on the roster is Emil Bemstrom, recalled from, from the Monsters after three games. One goal, minus four, not the best showing, but uh, sometimes the stats don't exactly show how the guys play. He'll be up. I'm going to assume he's coming into the lineup against the Blue Jackets on Thursday against Anaheim. Tough times for the Blue Jackets. Uh, they dropped five in a row on the road, six out of seven overall. One thing that's become painfully apparent here, at least recently, is this is a much different team at home than they are on the road, and we'll get into that um, in a bit, of course. Uh, but they play Anaheim on Thursday and Nationwide. That's the good news. The tough news is they head out right after that. I think they're literally living after that game and flying overnight to Seattle. Uh, they have a five-game, 11-day road trip. I hope they have their Christmas shopping done now. Uh, it starts in Seattle, winds through Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, ends in Buffalo on December 20th. So they, they've got a tough road to hoe if they don't figure out their their road wars. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about the Kraken and the challenges that they faced in their first year in the NHL, what the Blue Jackets should expect when they play for Seattle in the first time. But let's plunge into some Blue Jackets stuff. Allison still, of course, pays attention to the team that she covered uh, for so many years. Um, Allison, this is a brutal road team. I just talked about this a second ago. They're nine and three at home. They're four and eight on the road. The numbers are even worse than, than just the overall record, which is of course the only thing that matters, but on the road, they've been outscored by 17 goals in 12 games at home. They've outscored opponents by 15 goals in 12 games. I know teams that have been good at home and not good on the road. A lot of times it's matchups. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with this. I don't think I've ever seen a team that's so dramatically better at home than they are on the road. What do you suspect this is? Is this youth? Is this matchups? Is this just feeling comfortable at home? I think it's more simple than that. I think they've just, people have kind of figured out what makes what their vulnerabilities and it's happened to coincide with a long road trip, their first one of the year, a week or so ago. They lost all four of them. Uh, those numbers changed dramatically since then. What do you suggest might be a play here for the Blue Jackets on the road? Well, you know, it's funny, Porty. I was thinking as you were talking through this, what year was it when they were so good on the road and terrible at home? Remember that yeah. year? Yeah, I do. What year I was do. that? Let me look that up. Hang on a sec. Keep talking. At that, was, that, that, was a, that was a crazy year. But, you know, as I look, I'm pulling up the schedule here because uh, – I try and keep up to date through excellent coverage, such as what is provided by yourself, well, but uh, you. not intimately um, involved with the team like I used to be. And, you know, if you if you look at this record, 
here's the problem with any of this kind of stuff, and I'm sure we'll talk about this with Seattle too that had a rough stretch, is that with any team, whether you're young or veteran-based, this stuff starts to get in your head. I mean, forget, forget the logic of it. It's that, oh my God, people are saying we're bad on the road. Now we're on the road. We better freaking win. And that, that just, it can compound. And, you know, it's funny. I know we're going to talk about some other Blue Jackets topics when I am able to, to catch a game or follow up on stuff. A lot of times I'll, I'll sit with my husband and I'll see, I'll see a Jersey. I'll say, who's that? (laughs) Because this team team is so different um, than the one that, that I knew. And, you know, I think that that could be part of it too, to your point is just figuring out that identity and feeling more comfortable playing on the road. Now, what you can hope out of a road trip, like what you're describing and the Blue Jackets historically have benefited both from a Western Canada trip, as well as their California swing is that this is often a time when this group has found a way to come together um, and and pull pull some rabbits out of hats, if you will. So um, this will be an interesting stretch to watch for sure. Yeah, it was, it was 2018-19 when they were 25-14-2 on the road. Crazy. And 22-17-2 at home. I think that's one of the rare times they've been better at rare times. Not the only time, but rare right. time they've been better on the road than at home. Poor Nick. Um, so many questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I went. Uh, I went looking through like, you know, which which players have have fallen off at home, and and are there? So is it matchups? Because I don't think yeah, the yeah. Colum- I don't think the Blue Jackets are a matchups team. Now, of course, the the home team gets the second line change, so you can you can put out the line you want against the, the visitors. Have to show their lines first, and then you put yours out. So you get all the matchups you want, but I'm not sure that the Blue Jackets, the way that Larson has them, just the way that they're put together, I don't think there's anybody that really scares you that you're targeting. And that may that may sound cold, but I think it's true. I, they don't, there's not an Austin Matthews line here. Right, right. But the, the one line that is the most startling drop-off, and you're going to have to plug your ears when I get to the plus-minus part. Oh, my God. Because I know you don't like that. But listen – the the third or fourth line, whatever it is, the line that has uh, Corrali in between Robinson and Texier, it's been a surprisingly productive yes. line. Yes, um, it's eleven, ten, twenty one at home. That's in twelve games. That's you'll take that from your third line any day, and, that, and yeah. that may be their fourth line. But so 10, 12, 21, and plus a cumulative plus eighteen. The uh, when they're on the road, that line is five, three, eight. Cumulative minus 11. That's stark. The other lines are, are are good at home, bad on the road, individually players, but not that dramatically different from one or the other. I don't think it's a matchup. I think Gavrikov minus 11, sorry, plus 11 at home, minus four on the road. That's just because they're giving up more goals. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily say that that's a matchup thing. We know that they're giving up more goals and they're scoring it at home. Um, so I'm not sure what the science is behind this. I don't think it's a matchups thing. I think to your point, this is a very, very young team. And I think it's weird on the road. I think it's just different on the road. And I, I think when they started to sort of get figured out a little bit, you can hit them, you can forecheck them, you can overwhelm them in their own zone. It coincided with them being on the road against some teams that are really, really good at that. St. Louis, mm-hmm. Nashville jumped to mind. So – I, we'll see if they can. I thought they were. I, I don't think it was. It wasn't that that caused them to lose last night. They just weren't. They just weren't very sharp defensively last night when they really needed to be. 
Um, so it's something we'll keep an eye on, but it, it is interesting and it does get into your head and we'll see if this continues as a trend. Yeah. Is, are they, uh, forgive me, are, are the, like I saw Nashville, right? They changed up the lines quite a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's an, I mean, that'd be another thing I'd look at is amount of time that these combinations are playing together home and away, which is a little bit more of a advanced piece of work just in terms of pulling numbers from different places. But, you know, that might be something too, um, particularly in this season where COVID is still affecting so many players and teams and injuries as well. Yeah. I, I don't think that's the end all be all, but that'd be something I'd start to look at also is how much, how much do, how much do certain lines and players stick together at home versus on the road and yeah. the schedule just kind of becomes a variable there. Well, I think if I'm remembering correctly and the, and the Nashville game and Dallas game are blurring together on the road, but after one of the games, Larson changed the lines up dramatically. Well, it was in going into Nashville, I thought. Okay. I and thought. then the first period in Nashville was an absolute dumpster fire. And then it was, okay, back to, back to the old lines again. Okay, okay, okay. Back to where it was. And it kind of steadied after that. But they just went through that stretch that they've, they've done this now the last couple of years where they just start overthinking in their own zone. Oh, yeah. And then the answer to overthinking is underthinking. <laughs> right and then it just just then no then you don't trust what you see and that's when it really gets scary yeah because then guys are just short wiring um one other thing that's jumped out and, and this was exacerbated last night uh by the game against the Leafs the Leafs scored one power play in 13 seconds they scored another one in nine seconds I I I responded to you on Twitter Ouch. I'm very upset about this yes but it's this not the only time personally. it's happened it hurts this is me personally. Incredible. They've allowed 12 shorthand uh, 12 uh, goals this year, power play goals this year, which is fine for 24 games. You can live with that. But 5 of the 12 have happened in under 13 seconds. For God's sake, Tage Thompson scored in 5 seconds in Buffalo. Um I don't I mean obviously you're losing the face off, not that that's important. But what the hell's happening that you're not. You're just not getting. Is that the goalie? You're just not getting set. What's what's going on? How do you give it up that quick? Yeah. Well, I'm so I, again, not knowing the exact answer. What I did here quickly was I pulled up the amount of time that players are playing on the penalty kill this season for the Blue Jackets. Mm -hmm. And if I look at this combination, let me read them to you in order of amount of time on ice. So it's Gavrikov peak. Robinson, Corrali, mm -hmm. Texier, Wierenski, Jenner, who's seventh, notably, Bean, and Nyquist. So first and foremost, what this tells me, again, having not watched the games as closely as I usually do, you know, this is a whole new look penalty kill, really, if we're being honest, except for Gavrikov and Wierenski, who historically did not play together on the penalty kill. Right. So this thing is being built from scratch. New coach, so, too. Exactly. You know, it, this is, it, it wounds me. The, the, this, this team has been one of the best penalty kills in such special ways. They were the, the leading power kill for so long. Um, but this is a whole new era. And so, you know, what I would look at, I would acknowledge, like I said, that the personnel is for all intents and purposes, completely new. Um, and I would then look at how is this penalty kill playing? Are they playing the aggressive style that they're used to? If they're not, that could be an interesting challenge for Gavrikov and Wierenski because that is ingrained in how they play. And if that's not how they're being coached, 
there's going to be some growth pains there for those two, particularly as defensemen. If they're not being asked to be a lot more protective and their forwards aren't being as aggressive, um, that's going to be a different demand on how they play. So I'd look at the system, um, acknowledge the, the new faces, and, and then from there you, there you do look at the goaltender. Now, I have not pulled up the goaltender data here, because, um, but goaltenders can be distinctly different um, on shorthanded play versus even strength play. Um, in fact, Seattle has that situation in reverse. They're very strong on the penalty kill right now. Yeah. Um, but I, there's so many variables here. Those are some of the things I would look at to answer that question. And for God's sake, come on, let me have a tiny little legacy. Let's bring back a strong penalty kill, if not a power kill, please. And and would would you allow, Allison, that maybe a faceoff win here or there could help? I am not engaging in this with you. It's possible. <laughs> but I mean, yes. that's 10 seconds right there, isn't it? Yes, yes. And it yes. clears probably 20. Fair. Now, I would say this. It doesn't matter if you give up a power play goal in 30 seconds as opposed to 10. You still gave one up. Correct. But it, th- this suggests to me, and I'll ask Lars this tomorrow. They were off today. Like, what 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 has to happen for a, a, a power play goal to be scored in five seconds? Yeah. And I'll tell you that I didn't like at the end of what game was it? There was a uh, – it sure looked like they stopped. It looked like they quit on a play in front of the net. Um, I'd have to go back and, and look because it, it blurs me. It just – you wondered if it's preparedness. Again, a young team, a young team. Take a deep breath. Okay, we're just now starting to put goal. Whoa. Yeah. Take the deep breath before the puck drops. Um, You know, whatever. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, Topically now, the Blue Jackets host the Anaheim Ducks. Quack. And I wonder, I don't, our producer Danielle Lehman may actually have some money on this game as a SoCal resident. Uh Uh-oh, we may need to go into a bet because I need the Blue Jackets to to win this game. Do you? Do you? (laughs) Well, they're they're a division rival. Oh, right. Right. I see. I wasn't even thinking like that. See? Um, Yeah. And uh, they're, they're coming back to town with a... A guy who's on a point of game pace for them by the name of Sonny Milano. <laughs> um, this is an interesting story, and Eric Stevens wrote about it. I shared it earlier today on Twitter. Great piece. Um, Please read it. It's excellent. Yeah. And how based, you know, it's funny because a lot of people here are saying, well, Torch ruined another one. Well, the Anaheim Ducks coach isn't exactly known for being warm and fuzzy. And he issued an ultimatum to Sonny Milano as well uh, that appeared to, to work. 
uh, at least for now, because Milano and, and Trevor Zegers have really found a click. They have, if I may, I think they've found the same barber too. They both have spectacular <laughs> quaffs of hair. Um, but anyways, it's working for Sonny Milano and good for Sonny Milano. I don't know that anyone here, when he left, is you know, hoped ill upon the man. No, it was just this is not working. The Blue Jackets couldn't trade him for anything and basically traded him to Anaheim for for a player that Anaheim was looking to move on for, Devin Shore. Um, I'm not sure the Blue Jackets would would uh, would have a problem with that trade today. I don't think they want Sonny Milano back. I think they went in a different direction and are happy to have done so. That's a first-round draft pick, though, so I don't want to completely absolve them of this. Sonny Milano has elevated his game to a place that maybe, I think offensively everybody knew it was there, but can he play hockey? And it seems like he's starting to play hockey a little bit. What's your sense of Sonny Milano? And does any of this surprise you, Allison? Yeah. And, you know, again, I would echo, please, if you haven't read that piece by Eric, it's excellent. And and when I saw Eric out uh, when he was out here in Seattle, you know, it was Sonny Milano was one of the first topics we talked about. It was earlier in the season. Um, but, you know, and I don't want to discredit what Sonny Milano has done. If, if you read Eric's piece, he shares some important talks that went down between the coach and the player this season. And I think that what's important to note, as you said, is that, you know, the Blue Jackets couldn't trade him. And, and this is a player who was on waivers earlier, earlier this, this year. Season. Yeah, and and right. 31 other teams had no interest. So, you know, I, I when I look at this player now and when I look at what's different this year, um, and again, I don't want to overly diminish his accomplishments because points are points, goals are goals. Um, but he is playing with a tremendous talent in Zegras. Yep. And the only thing that is markedly different in terms of in terms of Sonny Milano's season this year, as opposed to every other previous year, is that his shooting percentage is almost twenty percent. That's that's heavily inflated. Now, we right. we have seen plenty of players benefit from that, and good for sure. them. Sonny Milano had a similar shooting percentage his first year in the league, 17-18. Um, but he's now also, while he's not necessarily shooting the puck a ton more, when he's on the ice, his team is. So what that means is he is, of course, contributing to that, but he's also playing with some highly offensively powered players. Yeah. So, you know, I think we know Sonny Milano is an offensive powerhouse. I think that his mindset is probably a little more dialed in, knowing what the realities of his situation were with this team and what happened to him this season. Um, And I think he's producing and properly taking advantage of the situation that he's in. But I don't think this was some market like, aha moment, oh my God, everyone missed this thing. This is just sometimes it's the right seasoning for the soup and, and that's where we are. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's quite possible, and I think Milano even alludes to it, that at some point a player's got to decide if, if he can keep doing it his way. Right. If exactly. it's not working or if he oh, – you know what? I better listen to this because this is now my second organization. 100%. I did clear waivers earlier this year. It's not a lot of people lining up for me. Look who I was traded for and how to get here. I better get my shit together. Exactly. And maybe I should start listening to people. Maybe he had that moment. It, there was frustration here with him that that the he seemed almost oblivious to the system. Yes. Um, situational play. He he didn't handle a puck in the neutral zone 
any different up 3-1 than he was down 3-1. Yes. And that drove certain people crazy because it's, it's not intellectual hockey, um, even baseline. Um, but they always, uh, you know, he scores the goal the other night where Zegers picks it up. I'll still never understand how people do this. Picks it up, basically flips it in the air, and Milano bats it out of the air. Out of the air, it's all over the place on Twitter today. Right, it's an amazing goal. Of course, he can do that all day. He can do those all day. That's who Sonny Milano is. Um, now, when you're down, when you're up three one, protecting a lead, do you want him on the ice? And if that's the point he's reached with Anaheim, that's amazing to me because there was no hint of that here. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe some people listening will be old enough to, but there used to be a TV show on. Was it just a TV? I don't know what the hell it was. Maybe it was a TV show called And One. And it was these basketball players who could just do, it was almost like Globetrotter-esque. Where they could, there were these guys that I think a lot of them had flamed out in, in college basketball programs because they couldn't play basketball. But they could, they could throw the ball off the lights, kick in the air with their foot, dunk with their forehead, all kinds of wild shit. But they couldn't play basketball. Like real basketball structured basketball and i always thought of sonny milano as like an and one hockey player mm-hmm. where he could do all this stuff that nobody else could do because of course that kid's not not trying to throw the puck in the air and catch it with with uh both end of his stick uh back and forth with his wrist he's he's watching film and working on his back check right and milano had all of the crazy stuff down but it was the basic tenets of hockey that he struggled with and if he's there now and Anaheim's got him going in that way, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for him. For it, sure. It, but that's the, that's the stride that he needed to make. And I, and there are a lot of people who will be surprised, perhaps pleasantly so, that he was able to make it. Yes. Um, to the Kraken. To them. I was going um, to say. They are you released. Like, they are released. You love a bad uh, pun. What is Kraken in St. Louis? <laughs> and sorry, in Seattle these days. Um <laughs> I'm looking at the Pacific standings. Yes. And I'm seeing a team that's off to a not great start. Correct. But kind of picking it up a little bit. Correct. Uh, at least steadied. 9-14-2. They're tied with Vancouver, but technically ahead of Vancouver, uh, avoiding the basement of the Pacific. What is going on with the Kraken? What has worked? What has not worked? And I I get the sense that this team from the start has known that this is very much a work in progress. That this is they're not trying to emulate Vegas. They knew that wasn't on the table for them. Uh, they're just in the beginning stages of of their process. Is that a fair read? Yeah, for sure. And you know, this is I think that you know even before I was working for the organization, I, I liked the Kraken's approach to building this initial roster in the sense that they got some really good players. Maybe not the quote unquote best players from every team, but that gave them some cap flexibility. And I think that's important because apparently I'm full of baking analogies today. And um, it's kind of like they need, they had the ingredients, they need to see what kind of cake these ingredients make. And then they're going to have money to go buy the exact right kind of frosting. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I like that, particularly when we look at what's happening with the league financially right now in the wake of COVID. That flexibility is going to be huge. You compare that to a team like Philadelphia right now, and and it's going to matter Oof. when you have some cap space. Yep. Um, you know, to start off, for people who weren't paying attention, 
this team is literally getting ready to head out on their initial road trip for their first game ever as a team and five players go into COVID protocol. So that kind of rocked the roster to start. Um, Blue Jackets fans saw this team here on their third game, which is when they were coming off their first win. And, and I think, you know, that game maybe wasn't super amazing, compelling, but there are some things about the Kraken that are similar to Blue Jackets of yore. Maybe not this team as much, but this is a very defensive-minded team. They're one of the top four defensive teams in the league right now in terms of shutting down opponents' offense, not just how much offense they create, but how much quality offense they create. They've got some pop offensively, particularly with um, the kind of inauguration, or I should say more appropriately, the the opportunity door opened for Jared McCann, who's just been a delightful surprise for this team. And then Yanni Gord, who came back early from his shoulder surgery. So they're scoring the way they were supposed to. They're really strong defensively. Goaltending has been, I think, a surprise for the wrong reasons for this group, uh, myself included, even again, before I worked for the team, I put, you know, this Chris Drieger and Philip Grubauer tandem down as one of the top in the league. And they have struggled a little bit more than I think people expected them to. And in particular, Chris Drieger has battled some injury um, this season that's kept him out of the lineup. But it's been really interesting for me because, you know, I keep saying this um, when I talk with Kraken people, we talk all the time about skaters having to adapt to a new team, or we just talked about a penalty kill having to adapt to a whole new system and new players and and a new roster on that side. We don't necessarily give enough time or energy to understanding what a goaltender has to change when they play behind a new team or what they can change. I mean, this, this fan base knows Sergei Bobrovsky, and we all saw what happened when he went to Florida, right? And it wasn't until people started to dig in and revealed that At that time, Florida was a completely different defense and allowed the most cross-zone passes in the league, which of course is going to challenge a goaltender to move, that helped inform what was going on with Sergei Bobrovsky. So we've we've done some digging into what kind of chances um, challenge these goaltenders. Um, Odd man rushes is is certainly a dangerous area for these two right now. And Philip Grubauer has talked about that. He said, you know, I have to learn what kind of high danger chances this team is going to allow and what Hmm. they're going to do. Um, So it's probably taking a little longer than anyone wanted. Um, But when all the pieces come together, um, it's been a nice surprise. And, you know, even they kind of got their butts handed to them by Pittsburgh earlier this week. But going into that game, the, the team was winning more than they were losing and, in fact, had beaten Washington, Carolina, Florida, Buffalo, and Edmonton. And, and that's not a, a short shrift list of teams. No, so, no. Um, you know, they're, they're finally starting to find some success. I had this team finishing higher, but that was with some different opinions on what this division looked like. This division has proved to be stronger than I think a lot of people thought. Um, so they're going to be in a challenge to get into a postseason spot, but we understand why. <laughs> yeah, and this this has the feel of a of a a more classically expansion team for sure. Um, not nothing like it was when the Blue Jackets and Wild came in. These these guys would any of these guys would have been stars on those teams because um, the standards were much more difficult. But one thing that I think is 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 missed a lot in this is. 
it's teams didn't have to bow down to Seattle as they did Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. Vegas. Because after the Vegas experience, teams just did not hand out no move clauses. Correct. Or if they did, there were gaps for this year in particular so that they wouldn't be held over a barrel like that. So, and I, I've heard multiple times, well, why didn't the Kraken get, why didn't they try to make trades? And well, because of Vegas and because of the different system this time, there just weren't as many no move clauses. Teams didn't have their hands tied as much. And even if there's two or three less no move clauses on your roster, that makes a huge difference in terms of your desperation to keep certain guys. For sure. Um, so the mo- the flexibility was there with teams this time that it wasn't the last time. And all you've got to do is look at Columbus and their two situations to understand that. Um, we're starting to get a book on the Blue Jackets, Allison. You can hit them. You can pressure them in their own zone with a good forecheck. And you can get, they, you can give them fits. What's the book on the the Kraken? How do you beat the Kraken? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the big thing that this team has had to struggle against is those odd man rushes and chances off the rush, um, particularly early in the season. If you can, they were, they are an aggressive forechecking team. So they've kind of modified that now so that they're layering their defense. So it's, it's not as all fully pushing into the offensive zone. It's, it's pulling back a little bit more. But that was allowing opponents to get behind them. So if you can get behind this Kraken team on the ice, you're going to get a really quality chance against them. And then, I, you know, I think, unfortunately, the, the other challenge this team has faced, um, you know, and, and, and people in the front office for Seattle have, have uh, wryly joked about this, is, you know, they, they'd love to see the roster as designed to play a couple more games. Hmm. Um, we yeah. talked about the COVID outbreak to start. Um, they were, they just got back their captain, Mark Giordano. He was out with COVID. They've had some injuries, some other COVID, um, instances. And so there's, there's not necessarily some, as much stability, I think that you'd like to see in any team, let alone a team that is coming together for the first time. Um, they're also going to be a low shooting offensive team. Um, and they're going to drive their offense from the point. So a little higher in the zone and then look for that cleanup. Um, it's a little tortsian, um, for those of us who remember those days. Um, but it's, uh, I think those are kind of the ways that people strive to, to challenge this team, but it's hard because they're defensively really, really strong. Yeah. Now Seattle has had the NHL before. Yes. Um, they've had hockey for a very long time in Seattle, Seattle Metropolitan's um played in the 1920s i think um they've had but they've had hockey in seattle for a very long time uh both junior league and minor league but there's nothing there's nothing quite like an expansion season and i remember some of my fondest memories with the blue jackets first year in columbus 2000 2001 uh best i can tell the city is is in love with this team is over the moon the games are an event um but what's the reception been like in this in the city of Seattle? The Seahawks suck this year, so they're <laughs> giving them a little bit of a favor there. Yeah. Um, is there just cracking stuff everywhere? Are people 
you know, taking the plunge. I know my sister-in-law in Portland and, and her husband are like, yeah, we need some t-shirts. Let's go. They're into it. <laughs> um, what's the vibe out there in, in the land of grunge metal and great coffee? <laughs> well, there is Nirvana for, for your goal song. Yeah. I'll let you know that. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I, th- I think that it's a, it's a compliment to the Kraken how much energy and effort they put into this brand and this rollout in terms of understanding their fan base and giving this fan base things that resonated with them. Um, people may have seen the headlines. This is one of the, I think they're still top selling jerseys in the league um, just awesome. because it's it's a cool look. It's, it's a whole new brand. The newness factor is there. Yeah. Um, when you get to the arena, I encourage you take some time and just walk around the concourse. Shaq has a chicken restaurant there. There's dim sum. Mm. Everything is cashless. There's a an Amazon Go, you just walk in, you kind of identify yourself, and then you take stuff off the shelves and it automatically charges your Amazon account. Like, it's super cool. Um, they collect rainwater on the roof, and that is what turns into ice. So they're trying to be a zero, a zero impact arena. And it, for those who don't know, the arena where the Kraken play is actually a historical landmark. It was built during the World's Fair um, decades and decades and decades ago, along with the Space Needle. And so it's kind of an architectural marvel that they've turned this into an NHL arena. It's really gorgeous. It's really impressive. The sight lines are great. Um, and, and above and beyond all of that, and that you see crack and stuff everywhere, th- these fans are just incredible. Um, there have been some rough games in the arena when, for those of us who maybe are at a Blue Jackets game in the same situation, um, might have left <laughs> and gone home. Um, right. And these fans stay till the very end. And, you know, it might be a garbage goal with one minute to left that can't really significantly impact the outcome of the game. And these fans act like it's a Stanley Cup winning goal. Right. Um, Yes. They're so passionate. They're so amazing. Um, And as I mentioned, what's been really cool is to have people who know the game, but maybe, and they don't have to, but maybe want to understand the analytics side more, are just so hungry for information. And then there's really a comfortable environment for people who maybe don't know the game or maybe don't know the NHL game, just totally information seeking. And how, what does this mean? What, we had a great series of events when um, the Kraken had to pull the goaltender. And a lot of people didn't understand that situation. They're not used to that right. in other pro sports. Right. But just being able to have that conversation and a, a great dialogue. And it, it's been it's been really Really awesome to see this team take over the city as it has. I remember the first year of the Blue Jackets when Detroit would just spend, I don't know, four minutes in their zone. <laughs> yes. And they would ice the puck and the place would go crazy. Yes. And it wasn't a Bronx cheer at all. Right. 100%. It was a fucking hang in there, boys. Yep. Right. And it, you could line change back then after an icing. So it it wasn't. It wasn't that frowned upon, and icing was like, "Yeah, that's fine. We'll just start it all over again." Um, they would they would cheer icing, and it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, the passion, the passion. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first game in Blue Jackets history, they were up three nothing on the Blackhawks, and a fan stood on the seat um, right in the first row below the <laughs> below the press box and turned around so he could scream in our. Remember, we used to have the little booth up there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And started screaming at my colleague, Michael Ares and I about how full of shit we were because we said, this is probably going to be a long season. Right. This is going to be a tough season, but this is the process. And 
he was pissed off that we didn't believe in the local team. And then the Blackhawks won five to three and um, <laughs> didn't, didn't hear that, but there, there's just so much passion and, and in Columbus, it's probably different in Columbus than it was in Seattle in this sense. People here were just so excited to have professional, yeah. a major professional sport uh, to put them on the map uh, with, with, oh my God, we're playing Chicago. We're not playing Purdue. Right. We're not playing, uh, you know, we're not playing state college. We're playing, right. you know, a major city. Um, but for Seattle, this is, there's a ton of people there who have loved hockey for a very long time. So I'm yeah. excited to get out there and, and see it. Allison, anything else we need to get to? No, I just, I, you know, I, I, I must say it's, it's been really amazing to see so many Blue Jackets fans and, and followers on Twitter stay connected. We, we stay, we have communications. We're chatting about things. Heck yeah. I, I just, you know, I, like I said, I will keep an eye on this organization for forever. You're so much a part of my heart. And I just appreciate you all following along on, on this new chapter in my journey. I, I'm certainly not leaving you fully behind. And I'm, I'm so thankful to be able to share some airtime with you, my dear friend, and connect with with a group of people in, in this fan base that I just appreciate and love so much. Well, that's awesome. And, and the the Kraken have already played in Columbus. Yes. The Blue Jackets are playing in Seattle, so we won't. there won't be another game this year unless there's the miracle run to the Cup Finals. We should allow for that possibility. Um, in which case, we'll do the podcast again then. I love it. Would love it. Deal? Deal, always. Hey, I'll come on and talk to you about anything anyway. You know that. Woohoo! Allison, thanks for joining us. Great to hear your voice again um, in this setting. I've talked to you many times since. <laughs> um, we'll keep uh, staying in touch and all the best to you and yours. And to you. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot. Folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, thanks for listening to Front Nationwide, and we'll talk to you soon.